0: Most people, when they have a business, they're like, oh, I got to hire some people and I'm, I'm going to hire somebody to help me build what I want. And mm-hmm. if you can flip that to say, I'm going to hire somebody to help them get what they want within my company, are we going to help each other win this week?
1: Choose to do what you want, what you want, with who you want, with who you want, when you want, when you want, with another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin.
2: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy podcast. I'm your host as always, Brian Lubin, bringing you the mindsets, the methods, and the actionable steps for you to earn freedom in your life and business today. Today's episode is amazing because our guest has not had a traditional path of financial success or wealth building, and he's had this crazy character arc where he's found success in multiple different areas and businesses that don't coordinate with each other at all. So he actually began as an auctioneer, which led him to real estate auctions, and then he ended up being a realtor and then running a brokerage and being a team leader there, realized that real estate was not for him. And then he went into creating his own consulting company, and now he bought a ranch in Texas and has a giant adventure off-roading Jeep park. So (laughs) he has been through quite a few character arcs, but there's one thing that stays consistent throughout his entire journey, and that is the ability to make profits off of his passions. So Dirk Van Rienen is fantastic at being able to take ideas, concepts, and verticals that he really finds interesting and build massive businesses around them. So he gives really good advice today about how to do that, how to structure a business, how to design the org chart, where to place people on there, where to find your peak authenticity and your peak self, and then really be able to put yourself in that seat and thrive in life and business. And then by default, you end up growing your wealth even faster because guess what? Now you're enjoying the journey. So as always, I'll give a shout out to my boys over at GoAbundance. If you're interested in joining or looking into it, there's a link down below in the show notes. Dirk was actually one of the former CEOs of GoBundance, so he talks about that as well. So besides that, I will let you get to the show. Just want to give a warning. There's a couple of F-bombs snuck their way into there with him and me. You know, sorry, sometimes you have to drop some bombs. So just want to give a heads up. You have kids in the car. So uh, without any further ado, Dirk Van Rienen. Dirk Van Rienen. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well. Today, my friend, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, we've got a couple of different businesses, a couple of different identities, a couple of different seasons of your life that you've ran through and now that you're running simultaneously. We've got the Dirk that was the Keller Williams real estate guy. We got the Dirk that's the Bergflow guy. And now because of Bergflow, he also has decided to grow a flow. So to be specifically on brand, he had to keep his hair with the company. And then now you've got Maris Adventure Park. So these are all three different seasons of life that I want to go through. So can you talk about the pivot to starting out, going into real estate, crushing it there, and then transition to Bergflow and what that is?
0: So I actually got into the real estate, like selling traditional real estate through being an auctioneer. And I worked for an so you auction came company. back, Dirk? It came Came back back to auctioneer. (laughs) But uh, in 2008, I started working for an auctioneer. And I was doing, by the way, before that, from 2000 to 2008, I I was in the ski and snowboard industry. My business failed in 2008. At this time, I'm $300,000 in debt. It's me and my wife. We've got nothing to show for it. It's just one of these. We're in a bad financial state. So actually, I went to work for an auctioneer. And just sweeping out warehouses, just doing whatever, prepping auctions, commercial auctions, business liquidation, stuff like that. And then really started going into the office and learning the business side of it. And then I got hired by Prudential to launch a real estate auction division for them at the end of 2009. I'm usually a very quick learner and a very quick implementer. So when I learn something, I I tend to implement very quickly and aggressively. So got hired by Prudential and building out this real estate auction division for them and started doing auctions for them. And then going into probably uh, mid 2011, my broker said, Hey, I want you to start doing traditional listings also. Like just start selling real estate. And I was like, dude, I, I have no idea how to list a house or how to sell it. All I've ever done was auction real estate. He taught me how to do it and then started doing that and started experiencing a little bit more success. Keller Williams had started recruiting me for uh, several years. And I was just not at all interested in joining Keller Williams. And then one day, uh, a lady named Karen Prawl, which if you're in the KW world, you absolutely know who she is. She's a she's an amazing human being, just a rock star. And she was essentially the, the, um, the CEO team leader at the brokerage that was trying to recruit me. And we just had a really great conversation about being entrepreneurial, about being growth-minded and that there's bigger opportunities. I joined Keller Williams at the end of uh, 2012 and immediately just started uh, going to their trainings and learning. And again, learning really fast and implementing aggressively and went from selling about 27 houses a year to selling 120 houses a year in two years, built a team, expanding the team. And then I got hired by Keller Williams to be a a team leader, which is the equivalent of a a CEO brokerage, a brokerage CEO, and then got relocated to Houston, did well there, got relocated to Columbia, Maryland, did well there. And 2016, at one point, my office was the second fastest growing Keller Williams office worldwide for Keller Williams. And we're in the top 10 in brokerage size. We had, uh, we're coming up on 508, doing over 800 million a year in volume. And it was just like I was trapped in this rocket ship of just upward trajectory, momentum, amazing coaches, leaders, people pouring into me. And that's when I got really clear about what I wanted to do. And I resigned from that position and moved back to Houston and launched Workflow in 2017. I've
2: got an observation and then I've got some clarifying questions. So the observation is when I'm seeing new agents come through, I've seen... Agents come through and try to do it and just drag themselves kicking and screaming through it. And then I've seen agents that have gone and they've tried to really attach themselves to team leads, into brokerages, into offices that are really going to invest in them. Maybe they'll take a pay cut from the commission perspective, but is that something that you would recommend for someone starting off in real estate to be like, hey, really pay attention to where you're going to hang your hat for the first time? Because it sounds like that was the value for it for you.
0: Yeah, I think Keller Williams does training and education extremely well, really extremely well. So I've would, i even told people that they don't really know what they want to do with their lives. They're figuring out, it's like, look, get your real estate license, go join Keller Williams and just learn. So I think that they do that extremely well. But to the point, yes, I would really recommend that you choose who you learn from. And it's the thing that you're going to either have to figure everything out yourself, or you can get into the environments that are just naturally going to be very rich in learning and training and education. And I think there's several large real estate brokerages that I think do that really well. And they figured out it's not just about teaching agents how to sell real estate, but it's teaching agents how to build businesses. And for me, that that was something that I was incredibly hungry for, because I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to go crush it. But there was a lot of years that I was just struggling really badly. And the big thing was that I was trying to do everything myself and trying to do everything by force. I'll just work harder. I'll just push things forward. I'll just go conquer it. And it was that kind of that lone wolf mentality of just thinking that you're going to go out and crush the world and kind of task over relationship. Like, man, like no matter what, it's just about getting this task done. And I had a huge transformation in that type of thinking from about 2014 to 2016, and just decided that from that point forward is going to be relationship over task in everything that I do, and it's going to be about doing everything collaboratively, building teams. I decided then that uh, Berkfoe is the last business that you know I own a hundred percent of everything else since I've done from them has been partnerships. And I've, I, I actively chose, I said, I will never do another business where I'm the sole owner of, because I want to be in partnership. I want to be in relationship. I want to learn with people. I want to do life and business with people, not just try to go crush it in business. So it's really changed how we approach life, how we approach business. And it's, like my entire life is very authentic to who I am today, where there was a time in my life where I felt like I was getting very far away from who I authentically am. And I didn't like that. There's definitely been a journey to to find the authentic version of me. And that's where I'm growing out my hair and I got a beard and I wear jeans and T-shirts most of the time. But I'm more successful today than I ever have. And I have deep relationships today than I ever have. It's kind of, It's just fun, man. So
2: a couple of things there that I want to pull out. First is the question of you alluded to it, but where you started to feel out of authenticity and out of clarity. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that was when you were, you know, having to put on a shirt and tie, go be a realtor. Is that what you're alluding to?
0: Yeah, I'll make this very clear like I never liked being a real estate agent. It wasn't something that I actively chose. It for me I felt like I got into real estate because it was one thing that led to another that led to another that led to another. And in, in the middle of 2012, there was a 7-month period where I worked uh, 7 days a week, 12 14 16 hours a day. I was hardly ever around my family. I had a 2-year-old son at that point. And it was just working all the time. So it felt like I was just making the next decision just to survive. And I work really hard. I, I learn a lot. I study fast and I implement. So I had success in that, but it took me down a path that that I didn't like. It's not what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted my career to be about. So that's one of the big reasons I resigned in 2016. Um, I said, you know what, I want to build a life that's authentic to me, that's authentic to my family, that's really in alignment with what I want to do. And it was, it was a big decision, man. I, I walked away from a massive opportunity in, in Maryland. I walked to a uh, way, and, and I think a lot of people were shocked by that. Because uh, sometimes when you're on this upward trajectory in a big company, it's like a lot of people may have like their eyes on you. And yep. when you just walk away from an opportunity like that, it's, it's that huh. whole world. It's got, you're, you jump out into a black hole and you don't exist anymore. And, and in 2017, we lost a lot of wealth in that whole process and went back to a little startup company that had no income or anything like that. I was working out of my garage at the time and just put my head down and went back to work. And, like, within 18 months, people started reaching back out to me and like, Hey, man, what are you doing? I see you doing this. And in 2019, we took on Go Abundance as a client. They hired Workflow and I became the CEO of Go Abundance. It's just like very quickly, things started like really ramping up again. But this time, it was like I'm on the right path. I I know that I can fully immerse my heart into it. I can give it everything and and I can do it in a way that's authentic to me and what I want to do. And and for my family, uh, for my team, all that kind of stuff. It took, it was a a big kind of, not even like lateral really move because I definitely went backwards, but I do believe I got, uh, forged way faster than I ever would have staying in the, the, the environment that I was before. There's no way that I would have had this level of success in that world. And especially in the way that I want to live my life today. I think it's one of those things that when you wake up in, in the morning and, and people know, that's the thing that I think you got to be clear about. is like, it's there's not a question whether you're in integrity or out of integrity with like who you are and what you really want to be about. It's just a question of, like, are you trying to bullshit yourself about it or not? You just do. It's It's black and white if you're having to question it, there's an answer in that in itself. It, It's one of those things like, how much are you trying to cover it up because of your your circumstances, because of the pressure from what other people believe you should be doing or how it should be doing, the pressures from your family or your spouse or your friends or the company that you're in. A lot of people stay within like positions they have because they, they feel very loyal to the company and their coworkers and things like that, other bosses. And, and it is a big decision to make a jump like that. But it, it, it's one of those things that if you're questioning, if you're actually in authenticity, if you're on the white path and you deep down, when you start looking at that, it's not, then it's on you to either make that choice or then actively just say, look, I know that I'm not on the white path, but I'm choosing to, to walk this path out.
2: Got it. That's powerful. What you just said there. That's why I didn't want to interrupt. I agree with you hundred percent. And I've been in the exact same boat as this, like top guy rocket ship let's make you a manager let's get you into corporate like stat like fast track and then they gave me all the awards they were like hey here's all the trophies here's all the awards you're our top guy congratulations blah 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 then I quit and I ironically quit before I was ready because I actually ended up going bouncing around a couple different companies and then ended up back where I was when I started but I don't regret it because I wasn't ready yet. I still had a lot of fuck you left in my system. And th- I was leaving from a place of that, you know, where I'm leaving a place of, oh, I'm going to show all of you. Screw this. I'm out. Like, I'm going to go do me. I'm so much better. Screw this. Like, I've got mentors now. I've got, I listen to podcasts now. I'm out. And the universe was like, not yet, buddy. And uh, so they spit me back out. But now, it's finally time because it's not running away from something it's running towards something. That's my question for you, for somebody that's listening to this, which if they're in a corporate job or in a position right now, I would imagine that they're not really necessarily enjoying it because people are listening to this, to be able to do what they want when they want with who they want. Maybe they don't have an idea of what to run towards yet. What's some advice that you can give to someone that's in that position? Maybe speak to young Dirk that is working in that real estate job, and he doesn't know about Bergflow yet. What is some tangible stuff that somebody can implement to find what to run towards?
0: Great question. I would say one thing though, um, because I I don't want I don't want being a W2 status to have a a terrible rap on it. I've got some friends and they earn five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year as a W2. They're investing a ton of money. They're building wealth extremely quickly. And even then they feel beat up. Sometimes they're like, there's so much pressure to quit my job and go do something and be like an entrepreneur. But they're like, I really love what I do. It's one of those things. I just want to encourage people like you don't have to become an entrepreneur to be like really fulfilled and happy and be successful. Same thing is like in in my world, I've got people that are W2s and my goal is for them to live really big lives in, in my world. My job is to go create opportunities and unlock success for them. And as they learn and grow, develop and take leadership at a higher level, they get that those opportunities. So I just want to highlight that. But here's the thing that, that I would say to, to somebody that's trying to figure it out is to figure out first and foremost, what's important to you. Not like what you should do career wise, right? Because I think too many people think, what should I do? What career should I do? And then you have to start working backwards and then you have to start taking what's really important to you and what's really authentic to you. And you have to make it fit into the box of what you chose to do. And I think like that's one of the cool things about today is, man, like there has never been a time in history where there's as many options to do what you want and be able to make money out of it today. The, the first thing is that you've got to look at authentically what is important to you. And if you were to get clear on Man, what would I want to do for a living? And and not exactly not talking about the job, but say what's important to you. When I started Bergflow, you know, one of the things that was really important to me is that we had to start having more fun at work. Right? I wanted to have a lot of fun at work. I wanted to be able to be in like a state of flow at work. That's why we have Bergflow in our name. I wanted to work with really high level entrepreneurs that are the the entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs out there that are changing the world and. They have to be on like some mega scale, but like in their own way, they're influencing their family in a positive way, their clients, their teams, their communities, and, and they want to grow. And, and, and I had a vision of being able to do really cool stuff with my clients. And the thought was like, Hey, we're going surfing together. We're snowboarding together. We're going on trips together, all this kind of stuff. I had this vision of working internationally and said, man, what would it look like if it wasn't just like a U.S. base, but we did work in other countries. And I want to be able to do the kind of work my family can travel with me. We want to homeschool our kids and we'll be able to have a lot of freedom and flexibility in where we work and what that looks. So for me, I started with that type of framework and I said, okay, what does this actually look like? The lifestyle that I want to live. And then the next thing was like, okay, what, what am I going to give my gifts and talents? Because I do believe it's, look, I, I believe every single human has gifts and talents. There's, they have innate strengths that they are really good at. And maybe in part two, we'll talk a little bit more about what workflow does and how we pull this out for people. But if you can discover what your strengths are, and and the the, the fallacy here is that most people have no clue what they're really good at because the things that you are really good at, you have a natural assumption that everybody's really good at them. You don't see them as something that you're really good at. For you, you, they look vanilla. You can't articulate it. You don't even know what it is. So the, the challenge is if you can start understanding what your gifts and talents are, and then you can start connecting that with what your passions are, and then you can start adding skill to that, now you've got the combination to really build like a superpower, right? This is where high-level specialists come in and like people that just really do incredible things as they, they've discovered what their gifts and talents are, they discover what their passion is, and then they're willing to put the work in to build skill around the strengths. Most people yeah. do the exact opposite. They're good at some stuff, but they don't really know how good they are. But then they're very aware of everything that they they struggle with, their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And they spend an entire lifetime trying to build skill around their weaknesses, be a well-rounded person. And for us, it's that's where we realize, man, that just is the wrong way to approach life if you want to live uh, an above average life. If you want to live an average life, then yeah, spend the rest of your life working on your weaknesses and, and you'll be exactly that. You'll be average. But if you want to be above average, Work on your strengths, discover hmm. your talents and and put work into getting better at that. And don't worry about the rest. I think the process is once you know what the framework looks like of what you want your life to look like and then you know what your innate strengths are, then you can start putting those together and saying like, how can I apply this? For me, it's during the Keller Williams world, I started developing a really deep passion around helping people build businesses. And essentially that was a big part of my job is I I had to help uh, real estate agents grow their businesses and work with mostly towards the end, it was mostly just larger mega teams that were doing high production and how to hire people, build teams, understand the structure of it. And I just started nerding out on that stuff, man. I I took every single training that was available six, seven times. I read books. I hired additional coaches outside of the Keller Williams world and just started studying everything that I could around that. And that's when I realized, I was like, when I quit, when I resigned, I said, look, I want to go help the companies that are out there that nobody is out there. They're out there. They may have built a million dollar company, but they're, they got no money in the bank. They're never seeing their family, their health suffering, and they feel trapped by their own world because I was that guy for several years after my ski shop failed and so i just said look i'm going to help these people and i don't want to help them in a kind of a bullshit like i'm the the business coach consultant, and consultant i wear the suit and tie it's just like i said i'm trading in my suit jeans and a t-shirt and i'm just going to work with people in the most authentic way that i can no no frills, no thrills. It's just being real with people. And we've been doing that for five years now. And we've started building, you know, really incredible momentum because we actually really suck at marketing. So <laughs> we're not very good at telling people what we do. And we've even had this, this saying that birdflow is like fight club. We just don't talk about it, but other people talk about it and that's how we've been growing. So we're just now actually for the first time hired a marketing company to really work with us and help us uh, really understand what we're doing at a, at a deep level and how to talk about it.
2: Cool. Let's well. Let's head on it now. So let's go ahead and get you warmed up. Let's get your marketing chops warmed up here. So Bergflow people, you're alluding to like the the overall concepts of it. And thank you for sharing what you just did right there. That was really powerful. I just like let just go loose here. It's it's fun because you're <laughs> offer so much value for everyone listening here. So first off, first question is, you know, where'd you get the name Bergflow? What's the Berg part? Second is, what do you do? What do you specialize in, and why?
0: One thing that's really cool, and, and this is an insight in itself, right? When we were going to start the company, I really thought about the name a lot. I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. I put a ton of time and effort and energy into, into coming up with the name Bergflow. And uh, again, in the name, I wanted to be very purposeful. And this is, I talk to people hear about, clear. oh, you got to be clear about things. But there are different levels of clarity. So I wanted to go to the deepest level when I started this company because I wanted to be authentic. Because I'd actually in the past built companies that I didn't like. And it's a weird thing when you build a company that actually starts being successful and you don't like anything about it or, and, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, to build a company that we were going to be willing to go up against pretty, pretty significant challenges. And for me, in my mind, is like, we would take on challenges that other companies do. And the reason that I like that is because if you are willing to take on challenges, most people in their life want comfort. They, they want to do the opposite of challenge. They don't want to be pushed. They don't want to be outside of their comfort zone. They don't want to have to really work for it. And, and when I started Berkeley, I said, we will be that company that will go after it. We'll work for it. And will go after challenges. Because when you're willing to do that, then what happens is opportunities start. So challenge unlocks opportunities. And then if you're willing to actually go after the opportunities and put the work in, then you can capitalize on it and when you do that it unlocks rewards. I wanted to build a company that can give my family an incredible lifestyle, that can give our team incredible lifestyles and, and really change the way that we actually do things. So that's where the challenge comes on. Same thing with our clients. Like we we work with clients and we say, look, th- there's going to be some really hard stuff, there's going to be some challenges, we're going to work through it with you guys and but it's about taking on challenge. So I was looking around and I said, "Hey, what signifies challenge?" because I didn't want to have a challenge in my name. And I'm am a big mountain guy. And our logo is a mountain. I said, okay, I don't want mountain in my name, but I'm I'm originally from South Africa and the South African word, the Afrikaans word for mountain is bat, B-E-R-G, like ice mountain, iceberg. Mm-hmm. So that's where berg comes from. And, and, and the berg is the mountain that signifies the challenge. And then probably about six, seven years ago, I watched a, a documentary called Happy. And I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the documentary? Mm-hmm. All right. So it's a really cool documentary. And for anybody listening, I would say, look up the documentary Happy. It's really cool. But it, it talks about, there were like five things that were essential for people to actually experience true joy and happiness in life. And if, huh. if these things are missing, then there's proof that you're just not going to be happy and fulfilled in life. Most of them were pretty, okay, I've heard of that before. So you got to have a level of contribution in your life to be feel that significance. You got to have a community. You actually have to be productive and like kind of work towards things and put in effort, you know, like things like that. But then they had this one called the state of flow. And it's the first time I'd ever heard of this concept of flow. So this is about seven, eight years ago before some of the books were written and things like that. But they really talked about what is flow. And, and flow is uh, its a state of being where everything kind of ceases to exist and matter except the thing that you're fully immersed in in that moment. Yep, And so when you're in the state of flow, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not worrying about what time it is. You're not worrying about the bills you got to pay. You're not worrying about picking something up or whatever the case may be. It's like in that moment, you're fully immersed in what you do. And i said, wow, what if I could build a company where we experienced flow at work? I want to build a company that I love so much and that people that come to work for us love so much that they can experience flow at work. And that's where the flow from workflow comes in. So that's our name, BirdFlow. Take on challenges and do it in a way we can get into flow at work. With that being said, that's who we are as a company. And what we do is we specialize in helping to scale companies. Okay. And I know that you know there, there, there's a lot of people that like every coach out there specialize in scaling and this kind of stuff. But we just said, look, we really want to understand what does it look like for people to transform their, their lives through business. Mm-hmm. And the biggest way they can do that is through people. So what we really do is most of our clients are companies that are about one and a half to $2 million a year revenue client uh, companies, and they really want to go to $10, $15 million uh, a year in revenue. So what we've really done, uh, especially in the service sector, like service companies is our specialty. We work with some tech companies and manufacturing companies and development companies outside of that, but...
2: You work with Will's mm-hmm. company, don't you?
0: Who's that? Brown? Yeah, Will and them are one of our clients. So we we do have companies that we work with that are a little bit outlier for us, but the specialty work that we do still applies to them. So what we really do is is want to understand, look, if you have a company, and, and most companies are like this, if you want to grow, you're going to have to hire more people. And when you start hiring more people, what happens then? Because most entrepreneurs didn't go to school to... (laughs) <laughs> you know, learn how to be psychologists or, you know, HR professionals or even like CEOs and stuff like that. There are people that want to take on a challenge and and then build something out of that challenge. So for us, that was really the game to say, look, how do we help companies scale through people? In, in our world, we call it human systems. <laughs> and the idea here is what happens when people come together at work? Because work is one of those places where people's stress a lot of times elevate. So we look at what happens when people are in their natural state and they're happy and they're in the flow of things and things are well. And then we also study what happens when people get really stressed out because the world tends to treat, you know, the same, whether you're happy or stressed out, they don't care. Most people today are stressed out. Anxiety levels are up, stress is up, sickness, everything that you can imagine. Like people are just stressed out today and there's some (laughs) really significant reasons why one of them actually being that the rate of change today in the world is really fast. So people are feeling like they're falling behind. So what we did is just really say, we want to understand what happens when people come together at work, not just Brian, who you are, but who are you in relation to the team that you work on? How can you guys collaborate together at the highest level? How can you really unlock innate genius and creativity and synergy and like all of these things that people want? But when people are always stressed out at work and they're not in the right position, doing the right thing with the right motivation, they're just not going to be a part of being exponential in a business. They're they're just going to be at best a plus sign. And most of the time they're flat. Like they're there, they're doing their job, they're not fulfilled, they're not really giving any of their best. And yeah, it's like the side hustle culture, right? It's, oh, you go do your job to get money, but then like your side hustles your passion and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, like what if somebody's work could be their passion? Okay. Where there's no need to have a side hustle, where they were in a position where they were in alignment with what they really wanted to achieve. They were in a position that was in alignment with their behavior, their cognitive agility, their skill set. And they really learned in how to be a collaborative team player to help not just themselves succeed, but they're genuinely interested in helping their teammates su- succeed. And the team is genuinely interested in helping the company succeed because the company is genuinely interested in helping. The team and the individual win. Let
2: me pause you right there because this is all awesome. I just want to make sure that everyone is digesting this. And I have a couple clarifying questions. Okay. And I'm assuming you're doing this all through behavioral assessments, like in depth, in depth, like stuff that you're putting them through different tests, simulations, assessments. I'm curious to know are you finding yourself spending more time on when you're doing this in the act, when you're active in the process of pairing mm-hmm. a company? With their new employees, so that, that's essentially what you do: is you help companies with their hiring to build their team and help them scale with the right people instead of hiring a bunch of the wrong people.
0: It's not yeah, just yeah. about hiring new people; it's about understanding how to help your existing people be highly successful. Perfect. Some companies get into it; they hire. So we, some companies think, "Oh, you guys just help with hiring. That's part of what we do." But a, a huge part of what we do is, is continually work with companies, their existing teams to help the whole team become better towards leadership, development, collaboration, like how to really Maybe even reposition. Ownership. That was so, going to be my question.
2: Is if my question was going to be, how much of your time do you think is spent in tweaking the company from the company? So you got two levers to pull, right? You have the company perspective and then you have the employee perspective. So I was going to ask, what did you spend more time tweaking levers and pulling levers on the company side to help? create spaces for people to thrive? Or do you spend more time on the employee applicant side, tweaking and pulling levers to be able to make sure that they are the perfect fit for the open position? Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Both both need a, a, an adequate amount of attention. Right? Okay. But here's the thing when we work with a new company, and I think like this goes back to what we talked about a while ago, right? When you talk about an individual making a decision about what's most important to them, there's this need that you need to go back to the level of like true authenticity, you need to figure out who you are, what you're about, what you want the environment to look like, what are your values? And like everything that we talked about on the individual side before, we do at the company level now. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a company like Brian, you got a company, you got 30 people working for you, you're doing three, four million dollars a year in revenue, and you just started feeling stuck. Like, how do I go to the next level? The first thing that we have to do is get back to the core of, okay, who are you? you know, why did you start this company? Who are you? What is important? And and we call it your MVVC, your mission, vision, values, and culture. And those are the, the first things that we work with the company on is because we cannot give them any bit of advice, recommendations, anything until we understand that. So that's the first thing that we have to do and that companies have to do is they have to get really clear about what that looks like. And we got some ways to help companies go through it, but it's really just, taking the time to spend on it and to articulate it and to write it down and not be some BS thing that like sounds good and it goes on the wall on your website that nobody knows. Because we'll ask people when we work with them, we're like, okay, tell me what your mission statement is, your vision statement, your cultural statements, all this kind of stuff. And then we'll go to different people and actually ask them to articulate it. It's in one of our onboarding forms. And then we'll go to different people in the company and ask them to articulate it. And then we'll put it together and be like, okay, like, what, how much, how close are these things? And most of the time we find out that when you start going two, three levels deep in the company, like people do not know what that company is about. They just know what their job is, what they're supposed to be doing. They have no clue who this company is, what they're about, what they're going to become, what's important to them, what the path of ascension is. If I'm working in your company, Brian, like how am I going to be successful? How am I going to be able to build a life for me and my family over the next five years in your company? Like most companies have none of that connected. So, we really connect that for them, and then we start looking at uh, the structural side of things. And this is where it gets boring. So unless, it, like, you're really into scaling a business and building a business, this is probably going to be like super boring for you. But you have to structure things correctly. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you're going to hit a wall, and it's going to rip you apart. Period. A different. Like, we we just took on a, a $12 million a solar development company that's got $30 million of new business under in their pipeline. They're massively needing to scale. We've never really worked with a a solar development company. We don't exactly know what the right org chart is to take one of those companies from 10 to 25 million. So what we did is we just implemented our process with them and we're going like line by line through everything. And we're essentially building this org chart that's now going to take them to 25 million, 50 million, hundred million in size. But It has to do with understanding what the game plan is. On a personal plan, like this is where it's your structure. If you want to lose some weight or go run a race, it's, oh, like I got to, if you're doing a triathlon, hey, I got to get the bike part figured out. I got to figure this. So this is the structure of it. And once you do the structure, then you got to really look at the profile of each individual uh, person on the team. And this is where the real deep specialty work is. If you can get the right profile built for the position and you can actually hire the right person. Right off the bat, you've won like 75% of the battle of building a successful business. Just by hiring? By hiring the right person for the right position with the right motivation. How, do you, tweak, the,
2: how do you tweak the motivations?
0: In the conversations. Okay. So this is now where we can start switching. If you go into the selection process with the candidate that you're going through, you got to go really deep with this person to figure out who they are and what's important to them. Most people, when they have a business, they're like, oh, I got to hire some people and I'm, I'm going to hire somebody to help me build what I want. And mm-hmm. if you can flip that to say, I'm going to help somebody to help them get what they want within my company, then as long as I'm focused on helping that person win and they're moving their life forward and they're being honored along the journey. And it truly, it's not just like a flatline job, but it's like a team player that's constantly working on learning, growing, developing, getting better. And that's the track that we want companies to be on. That's why we were very selective about who we work with as well. Like we will not work with a company if we don't absolutely believe and see the proof that they really care about their people and they want to help their people win. There could be a very exciting company with a dynamic CEO that just wants to go crush the world. But if we can't see that they actually care about their people, we won't work with them. So that's the game is you get really clear about who you are. You recruit the right people to your organization based on the right profile that's dialed in. You have the conversations to learn what their motivation is. Very authentic. And then you say, look, based on who you are, what you're good at, what you want to do, what you want to have in the next five years, this position we feel feel is really good for you. And here's the path of how we're going to help you get there. Awesome. Awesome. So a lot of for a lot of people when they start hearing like how in-depth our process goes I don't have the time to hire like that I don't have the time to talk have meet with somebody that many times well yeah I know you don't have the time because you don't have the right people in the right positions in your company now and that's why you don't have the right time because there's two there's two things that when you don't have the right people. One is your profitability sucks, and secondly, your time freedom sucks. If you want to improve, improve your time freedom and you want to improve your profitability, you got to start hiring the right people and you got to slow down to really learn how to do that and do that well. And the cool thing is when you start building the culture through that, and then you're hiring these people this way, and, and you're teaching them how to hire that way, now they're starting to hire that way. It becomes very relational in the company. It becomes about, and Brian, hey, when you join the team, dude, like we're so excited to help you win. You know, we know what your personal goals are. We know what your your goals are, you know, professionally, and, and we're here to help you. Let me know when you need help. And that's one of the main things that, that I've trained my people on in the last two, three years is help each other, help your teammates. If you need help, raise your hand and ask for help. Because most people will not ask for help in their job because then they're not seen as being like adequate or being good enough, and then they might have a chance they're going to get fired or something like that. That's, that's just
2: a culture problem.
0: It is a culture problem. It, it's a it's an uh, inauthenticity oh, problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, inauthenticity problem, right? Yeah. It's 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 an integrity problem. Look, if if somebody comes to me and says, like, "Hey, I'm really struggling here," I'm like, "Man, thanks for bringing this up. Let's figure out how we can help you." Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I have to lead the charge, man. Like I tell my team all the time, okay, listen, I am really good at a very few things. And then I suck at a lot of stuff. So there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to drop the ball on. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make bad decisions on, I'm just going to really be in the way. And I need a lot. Like one of, one of the things that I do every Monday morning, the first thing is I I, I meet with uh, my key integrator and she's also does a little bit of personal assisting for me. And the week just starts off with, Amy, how are you going to help me survive this week? What's my schedule look like? What do I need to do? What's happening here? And then immediately after that, we go into our team meeting where we're assigning like, how are we going to help each other win this week? Who's doing, what are you working on? How are we going to help you win? Who do we need to have conversations with? Things like that. And we start off really intense and then give everybody the space to go execute their week. But the whole thing about it is like, the the one thing i'm most proud of in how we've built businesses and how our our clients build businesses is they build businesses of people showing up and saying hey man like how can i help you w- w- this week i know that you got a heavy load we talked about that I know that because, again, one of one of my key people, and I don't know if Wesley, if a lot of Go abundance guys are listening, they, they know him. And he said, he told me one time in a review, I gave him a review and I gave him kind of some low marks on some stuff on this quarterly review. And he said, hey, I'm not like disagreeing with you on that, but I just want you to know that there's a lot happening behind the scenes that you're not aware of. I said, oh, dude, please share with me. and I think that's when we got a good team is that when they, they're doing things behind the scenes that I've got no clue is happening. So I don't fully understand the 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 whole burden that they have and how hard they're working and everything, but they understand because they're very collaborative. My whole team is they're on Slack, communicating back and forth all day, figuring out like how to move things forward. And I'm like the the one team member that's actually not on Slack. So they take care of so many things that I have no clue that's even happening. It's they're good, making decisions. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing is I realized is I used to be the the control freak that wanted to control everything and make every decision. And that's a journey that I've been on for four or five years working through that and just working on getting out of the way of our, our key people and empowering them to win and, and help each other. So that's what we live and breathe in, in our companies. And that's what, you know, we work with clients on too, is like, how do you build that kind of team? For us, we call it a pivot ready team and saying like, how do you build a, a team that can pivot, that can work together, that can support each other? And It's not employees going to work to get stuff done. It's a team that is bound together, that's committed to a common goal, vision, mission, and they're there to help each other succeed along the way as well. So that's what we do and what our perspective is on on building businesses. All
2: right. Yeah, that is awesome. And we're perfectly at maybe you had a Monday morning meeting about this and just planned it out perfectly. We just we had all this episode scripted. Everyone it was perfect, 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 and perfect. As we finish up, I'll ask you, obviously, we'll go into like where people can find you and where how people can hire your business and all that and what type of business should hire you. But before that, do you have any resources or any quick things, books? Uh, videos, courses that you took that really stood out to you for someone that's maybe a starting business owner that's maybe not quite to the revenue mark that they need to be to hire you yet. Something that you could tell them or somebody that's thinking about starting a business, some resources you can give them that really helped you so that they can do this thing the right way the first time instead of having to backtrack.
0: Yeah, I think like one of the the books that's been around for a long time, it's been revised several times, and it's just as as good today as it's ever been before is the E Myth by Michael Gerber, okay. and that is just such uh, such an amazing book because it really tracks the journey of what does it look like to go from a, a solo entrepreneur to start actually building uh, a, a business, and then really helps with the mindset of it and thinking through structure and how to start leveraging. So that book's a, a really great book. Again, like I'm a super fan of *Think and Grow Rich* by Napoleon uh, Hill, and I think that's a book that it's not meant to be read one time. I've read that book seven times, and it, every time it's been meaningful and impactful for me at a deeper level. And then I'm really also a big like uh, Jim Collins and, and Patrick Lencioni fan. Both those guys are like exceptional like organizational experts. They do a ton of research on what happens with growing companies and and building companies. When I think uh, of this, I think one of the best books, especially for people that want to really put the hammer down on their company, go to the next level, uh, a book called Great By Choice is really phenomenal. And it really just starts having you think about, okay, what are the things that the greatest companies out there have made active decisions on and how they executed that to really go to the next level? So I think it's really good. There's one of my favorite books that is a book that, that it's called The Fish That Ate the Whale. Mm-hmm. and it's the the story of Samuel Zamuri and he was a a Russian Jew immigrant that kind of went to the docks of New Orleans he had no money he was 19 years old and he actually became one of the wealthiest men in America during the 30s and 40s and built this little company banana company that ended up taking over United in America and it's a fascinating story so i just love that story for like inspiration just to think man like you could be like the the really small guy out there today that really doesn't have anything much going on and nobody's believing in you. But man, if you just go after it, what could happen? So it's a really cool story that I love. So those are some okay. of the books. And then where wrote, can people
2: man. and then where can people find you and Bergflow?
0: Yeah, I'm not like a social media superstar. So I would say just go to bergflow.com, B-E-R-G-F-L-O-W dot com. And, or you can email me at Dirk at com. Like those are the probably two best ways to get a hold of me. So that's it.
2: Hey man, you're, you're my social media superstar. Okay. <laughs> never, never stop shining, buddy. No, nah, I love it. I love it. And as we close out here, it's perfectly on time. If someone's listening to this right now, they're like, oh my God, I love what Dirk's saying. I don't know if my company's in the parameters he's looking for. What's your sweet spot again? One to $3 million in revenue.
0: Yeah, typically most of our clients are somewhere between one and 10 million in revenue, but they want to go to the next level and they, there's either two kinds of companies that hires one they're growing so fast. Like the wheels are just falling off the bus in real time. They can't keep it together. Or secondly, a company had really good growth and they started stagnating. They've hit a wall and now they're not quite sure how to break through it. So we specialize in in working with both those kinds of companies and you can always come just reach out to us. We're, we're going to have a conversation to see if there's a fit to work together. Awesome.
2: Brother, I appreciate this. I appreciate this masterclass on org org chart building, team building. We didn't even get to the Maris Adventure Park. We'll get into that in the next episode. But brother, I appreciate you, man. And thank you for coming on. This has been just like, just bomb after bomb after bomb of just actionable stuff that people can apply in their business today. Like it's been fantastic, man. I appreciate you.
0: You're welcome, Brian. Appreciate being on the show, man. And I uh, love what you're doing and, and following your journey.
2: Dude, I love it, man. It's a tag team effort. I just ask the questions, baby. That's what (laughs) I do. All right. This is Brian and Dirk signing off.
1: You've been listening to the Action Academy podcast, helping you to choose what you want with who you want, when you want. You've been given the gift of freedom. Don't turn your back on that. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten some practical and useful information. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media. Remember, financial independence is freedom. The flags of freedom fly.